Welcome back. We're going to start this episode a little differently and with a few numbers. Top 10 podcast for 132 listeners. Top 5 podcast for 98 listeners. Top podcast for 38 listeners. Y'all, Spotify wrapped up like 24 hours ago and I just got the wrapped for our podcast right here and it's been so overwhelmingly beautiful (laughs) to see the numbers this year. First of all, put me in a room with 38 people and tell me that that podcast is number one on their Spotify. I'm floored. Tell me with 132 people in the room, that's even crazier. Like imagine all of those people in one space. I can't. That's insane. But thank you for coming back every week and for listening and for spending your time with me and writing to me and checking in on me when I'm posting a lot or I'm not posting that much. Um, I really appreciate it. And as we close out this year, I really, really wanted to take a second to say that I am so grateful for the people that come back every week and listen and actually support this content creation journey of mine and the people that take the time to say something nice or tell me that something I said impacted them in a positive way. So if you're one of those people, thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for listening every week. Um, In true Isha fashion, wanted to sit down and have a nice little solo episode chit chat with you. We've been doing a lot of amazing, beautiful interviews. And if you haven't caught up with them, please do so. I think that The last two interviews that we had on the podcast, one was with Anika Sharma and one was with Rachel Varki, two very wise, full of perspective, creative, ambitious women that I'm learning so much from online and offline. And so it was just really beautiful to have them on the podcast, chat with them, share their perspective with you guys um, and have that for you to listen to. But I wanted to bring it back this week with a good old classic solo episode of me just talking to you about things that have been on my mind. And we know the drill at this point. We know how these episodes go. We know how the sharing process works. But I've been in a really reflective era of my life lately. When am I not? <laughs> but I, I was writing down a few things in my notes app as epiphanies that have really that have been influencing the way I look at life lately and think about things and think about failure specifically or just the way I flow. And so this week, I wanted to sit with you once again and bring to you straight from my notes app to your beautiful years. (laughs) Four epiphanies I've had that have helped me look at life a little differently lately. And it's been very necessary because life in this time of the year is usually based on your circumstances either heavy or the lightest time of the year. And for me, this time of the year, it's proving to be quite heavy, not for any external reasons, definitely for reasons that involve my own mindset and my own thinking patterns, etc. But with that, I wanted to sit and chat through some things that have been helping me evolve and grow from this specific phase of life. So let's get into it. Number one, identity work is key. I'm not saying identity is key. I'm saying identity work is key. And I'm saying this because I've come to realize over the last few weeks that it's really less about 
what I define myself as and more about how I come to that conclusion or how I decide to define myself. More often than not, we live on like autopilot mode, right? You assume your identity based on which environments you're in most. For example, if you're a student, a huge part of your identity is going to be being a student. If you're working, more likely than not, your career is going to be your identity. If you have a prominent role in your family, if you're a mother, if you're a daughter, if you are a sister, if you're a breadwinner, that becomes part of your identity. And sure, all of those labels are very valid parts of your identity. But I think what we forget in going into like this autopilot mode and just adopting identities that are socially prescribed is that we don't really put in the effort to choose what we resonate with and what we don't resonate with. That's the other thing. Like you can have a full-time job and still not identify with your career. Like you can say, oh, I'm an investment banker, but being an investment banker isn't all my identity is. It might be 0.5% of my identity, but I'm choosing to weigh the part of me that's a dancer more than the part of me that's an investment banker. Does that make sense? I say this because we automatically allocate our identity most to where most of our energy goes, which is a valid assumption. But then when it comes to it and you realize that so much of our identity is rooted in what jobs we have or how much money we make, it becomes less about peace and more about the image of ourselves that we curate based on how much money we make or what our career is or is it, is it a career that's better than someone else's, what industry we're in, how, how many followers we have, etc. All of that is external validation or external factors that really don't define or determine who you are internally. Like your identity is way more than the outcomes of what you've achieved. And so that's why I say identity work is key. So the next question then that comes to mind is, okay, well, I know I need to do identity work, but where can I start? Great question. Here's what I would recommend. Instead of focusing on solely what you do, focus on why you do it. Like, why is that your purpose? Why are you making certain decisions? Why do you like to function a certain way? Why do you set schedules for yourself the way you do? Why are you a morning person? Or why do you enjoy working at night? The reason for this is because the more you dig into the why of your actions, the more you understand traits and characteristics that are key to who you are. And at the end of the day, if your identity is going to be rooted in who you are rather than what you are, it's much more important to value traits and characteristics that you know work in your favor and you can control to get outcomes that you want. And so do the identity work. Don't automatically assume parts of your identity based on the environments that you're most present in and more importantly give yourself the right to choose who you are number two track when if and how your passion is becoming your ego the best way to know this is if it ever starts to come from a place of emergency that is your ego talking but when it comes from a place of peace and patience that is your soul calling When we're passionate about things and excited about things or excited to try new things, we're going to feel an automatic sense of flow, right? Like think about something that you really enjoy. Writing, for example, if that's not your full-time job, but it's something that you creatively indulge in, maybe every single time you take a break and go to write something, there's just this like natural sense of flow you get into, like this untapped energy, stream of consciousness that just makes it so easy for you to put pen to paper and write poetry down or write like short stories or whatever that looks like for you. That 
comes from a place of patience and peace. When you're writing those things, no part of you is really worried about how it sounds or what you're going to publish or who you're going to publish for, etc. That is truly just coming from a place of being something that your soul resonates with, that you enjoy, and is truly just meant for your peacekeeping. In the process of you then exploring this passion more and more, if at some point the passion becomes more about being associated with a sense of urgency or fear a restlessness, then that is your ego talking as opposed to the peace that maybe drew you to that activity to begin with. The reason I call out ego here is because ego is nothing but focusing on the materialistic, right? Like it's focusing on things that are outside of us, whether it's fame, money, numbers, things that give us a false sense of validation and and an inflated sense of self that's honestly just unhealthy and so what ego usually does or i've found is that it creates a false sense of self for you and either you overestimate or underestimate what your true capacity is i don't know any other way to say this without sounding woo woo about it but i'm gonna say it anyways is that when something is meant for you or something is a true passion or a calling and you just know like there's that deep knowing in you that this is meant for me, there's no ego there. There's no rush. There's no running behind something because you know you don't have to run behind it. You already know that it's there for you. And I'm not saying that you don't need to work for things that that are meant for you. That is not what I'm saying at all. But I'm talking more about the intention that goes behind something that you're passionate about, right? Like there's this deep sense of knowing that, okay, like I know this is the space in which I'm meant to be. That peace is the most important thing to track when you track passion because it comes from a place of genuineness and love. I found for myself that when I make my passions more about egoic endeavors, that that's when I start to get burnt out. That's when the fear comes in. That's when the sense of emergency comes in. And that's when it becomes about something that it's really not about. And then I lose focus of what I'm meant to do or what that purpose looks like or who I want to be at the end of this process, right? And so with passion, the most important thing to just know is how can I keep this passion on like a constant plane of peacefulness and not let it tip over into the egoic, dirty side of the tracks, not make it something that's restless, that's fearful, that's draining more than anything. But this has definitely been something that I've been working through. And so when I wrote this down in my notes app and said, oh, if it comes from a place of urgency, then it's your ego. If it comes from a place of peace, then it's your soul calling. I said it from a perspective of like literally this podcast. I have always loved storytelling and being creative and putting something together and putting it out there in the world. Like we've talked about this. I love creating. I love doing this. There's a reason why I do it and come back to it every week. But lately I'd started making it more about the outcomes or how it was received or how people were looking at it. And I started putting unnecessary pressure on myself and I almost gave myself like unrealistic deadlines and standards to reach full well knowing that I have a full-time job that I'm pursuing other things outside and it just threw me off balance and at and at a certain point it became overwhelming in a way that it became less about the storytelling and more about the outcome itself and so I got caught up with the podcast more so in the perspective of okay, but what do numbers look like as opposed to like, why do I do this? Like, where does this come from? Which is why I say that that urgency and like sense of emergency that I was putting on myself that had no reason to be there because it wasn't necessarily healthy or in any way attached actually to my like purpose of the podcast was what was coming from a place of ego. 
I think another part of accepting that passion of yours or that soul calling is knowing that eventually, no matter what, it will pay off in the way you want it to pay off. It just takes time. And so that's also another part of what I've been reflecting on is that if if there's a deep knowing that something is meant for you, the most important thing to do is keep ego out of it. And it's so easy to get involved with the ego because the second you make it about the fluff and less about your purpose, that's when you just add 500 more things that you're going to have to unlearn and learn yourself to get to where you want to be. So yeah, I hope that point makes sense. But key takeaway, TLDR, is sense of urgency and fearfulness is ego. Peacefulness and patience and calm is your soul calling. Number three, anxiety means something's wrong. And we've talked about this before. We have. But I wanted to reiterate in this specific episode because one, it's a thought that's been on my mind lately. But two, because I've had a different way of thinking about it. And so I wanted to talk about it a little more. The way I've been thinking about anxiety lately, when my friends talk about it, when I experience it, whatever, is that I take it as a sign of self-exploration and a way of writing what has been wronged in the past. By writing, I mean like R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G, not like writing like writing things. When you're anxious, that is your mind and your body's way of telling you that, listen, something's off balance, something feels wrong, something is off, something's not clicking in life. Like there's a part of us that we need to reevaluate and work on. And the reason why I reiterate that and say it's in some and think that it's important to recognize that is because oftentimes we all we always just look at anxiety as the cause we don't really look at it as an outcome right like we always think like oh anxiety is the cause of me being stressed or i'm anxious and that's why i'm not able to eat or run or work or function properly we're looking at it as the cause of other wrong things in our life we never look at it as the outcome of something we never think okay things have probably gone a little haywire for me to be anxious in this moment. The second we make our anxiety an outcome, the more we become equipped to figure out why it's caused. And that's the most important thing. That's the first step. But then the second and more frustrating step to realize is that even if we do recognize that, okay, I need to figure out where my anxiety is coming from, more often than not, it's things that we haven't really actively realize that are embedded in our subconscious mind that are informing this anxiety which leads me to believe that our lives are way less about where we go and way more about how we heal the parts of ourselves that we don't remember learning right like so much of our life subconsciously we pick up so much information we learn so many things from people families strangers classmates whatever that looks like and all of these lessons we learn some of them are conscious some some of them are, some of them are top of mind but we also pick up things that don't serve us that might be unhealthy that teach us things or habits that may not be good for us and the way we want to live our lives those habits then inform the way we start functioning on a day-to-day basis And it's tough to break those habits because it's tough, even tougher to recognize that something might be wrong with those habits or map back to where those habits originated from. And so part of that self-exploration is going back in time, sitting with yourself and really understanding who you are, where that comes from and where your thinking stems from. Because the more you know the part of yourself that you don't remember learning, meaning the part of yourself that you subconsciously picked up along the years, the more equipped you're going to be to fix what might be wrong or to navigate something that's difficult and therefore improve anxiety, right? Like this is what the journey is about. 
it's not about getting to point a it's about how can we get to point a okay but then maybe we need to like go back a few steps and then like spend some more time on this step whatever it is or then maybe like fast forward a little bit but then move back again it's like a lot of back and forth and so i really think that it's those subconscious thoughts that affect us that we run away from that trigger us bring up emotional traumas whatever that is that we need to instead of running away from focus and use as a moment of self discovery and write what's wrong before we can move on and live a healthier life that was a lot of words also hope that made sense but that was my third little thought dump that i reflected on in the shower the other day and i was like yeah and this really helped especially with the repeated anxiety i've been having because if i'm anxious about the same thing again and again and again i've started looking at it less as a less from the perspective of oh my god i need to fix this and more from a perspective of okay this is like caused by something instead of causing other things what is it caused by let me sit down and reflect and figure it out and that reflection can look really different right like part sometimes it's writing sometimes most times for me it's talking to people that i'm really close to whatever it is just taking the time to figure out where you come from even is so important because we very rarely do we actually know where we come from and number 4 this is the last one on this list the most beautiful epiphany i've come to in the last few weeks is that you can try again and again and again and then again and then you can fail a little more and try again and nobody can tell you otherwise you can try till it feels right or till you're satisfied or after a few times if you feel like you're done trying in a specific area of life that's fine move on to something else but you can try till you want to try trying doesn't make you less than trying doesn't make you bad at what you do trying doesn't mean you're failing it just means that you're finding a new way to grow and it makes you brave and this is something that i've been and this is a thought that i've really been resonating with and sleeping with every single day where i'll feel like i performed at my 20% or my 10% and then i'll go to bed and i'll say you know what it's fine i'll try again tomorrow and then i'll do it again the next day and i'll feel like okay today was like a 5 on 10 that's fine i'll do it again tomorrow and then i'll go to my next day and it'll be a 2 on 10 i'll say it's fine i'll try again tomorrow and then one day is an 8 on 10 or a 9 on 10 i was like amazing i'm going to try again tomorrow and so just a lot of trying and a lot of again But what I'm trying to say is it's okay to try again. And this positive self-talk, I don't know what it is, of just like giving myself the permission to try again and telling myself it's okay if you don't want to do something now, you can try it again like you're not running out of time has been so comforting because it almost feels like for the first time in a long time that I'm able to validate my own thoughts. I don't need someone else to tell me to feel okay. And so just talking to yourself and telling yourself that you can try again and giving yourself the space to grow and exist is so powerful. So hopefully that's the one thing you do take from this episode is that you can try again. And if you don't want to, that's okay too. When you feel like it, you can get up and try again. And eventually you will get to the point where you feel like okay, I've made it. Or maybe you won't. And that's the point of growth anyways is that we never peak. We just keep going. But you get the point. But with that, that was it for this episode. Yo, how do we feel? Good, bad, ugly, not so great? I want to know. Like tell me what you think about these episodes. Reach out, write. I love hearing from everyone. It's so heartwarming and honestly encouraging. 
So if you write in or leave a rating or leave a comment, I would really very much appreciate it. I think my biggest fear lately with the podcast has been that, oh my God, it's not relatable enough because it's too deep or it's too extra. But I'm starting to get past that and say, okay, well, this is who I am. This is the way my mind thinks. And if someone resonates and it helps someone, then great. And if it's not meant for people, then that's fine too, because everything is not meant for everyone. Um, But thank you for sticking by. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing and spreading the podcast around as well. I, I love being here. I love doing this and I will see you next week.